A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Welcome all to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. This is Robbie D, the Dead Pull Hitter. Reminder, you can always catch me on Twitter at Dead Pull Hitter, the Pull Hitter Podcast itself at Pull Hitter Pod. And come check out the Patreon, patreon.com, put in Pull Hitter Fantasy Baseball. It's my pinned tweet as well. Come check it out. One free week trial. Five bucks is the lowest tier. You get access to the Discord. We're drafting right now. We have a Discord Patreon team. We're doing a draft champions, a four-hour draft. We're voting on picks. We have a moderator for the draft. It's fun. Uh, we're all interacting, brain galaxying picks, talking about strategy, who we're going to pick in fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, who should we pick here. Really good. Really good process being explained. Really good mini player breakdowns via the debate and discussion about who to pick. So... A lot of fun stuff happening, multiple threads, multiple channels for different for different interest in fantasy baseball, news, dynasty, gladiator, draft boards, everything. Come check it out. I'm doing play breakdowns and it's fun getting into the nitty gritty, some play breakdowns, video breakdowns are available. I share my screen, I show what I'm looking at, I show my spreadsheets for the top tier, the $15 tier and yeah, come get on the fun now. A lot of fun. I enjoy the community. It's a fantastic community. Grateful for everyone who has signed up and who has given the podcast itself a written review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way for me, um, you know, trying to put myself up against the giants in the industry. And I love where I am right now and uh, wouldn't be here without you guys. So really, thank you for everything. Thank you for supporting the show. And today's episode is with the legend Todd Zola himself. We talk about Masters Ball. We talk a lot about projections, what goes into him, the granular stuff. Does it matter? How can we apply it? Really fantastic discussion. I truly admire Todd for the amount of work he's put into this industry and the amount of time he dedicates to helping others as well um, get their foot in the door, talk about their thoughts. So, I um, met Todd for the first time in Arizona as well this past month or a while ago. And at first pitch Arizona, it's really good. We talk about um, how to project certain things, power, speed, um, what's in it for pitchers in this past season. And um, we go into a little bit of draft and hold strategy. And also we talk about underdog best ball draft. And so, yeah, I think you'll... Enjoy this episode of the Poet Podcast with Mr. Todd Zola, who you can find on Twitter, X at Todd Zola, and you can catch all his 
content either at rotowire.com currently and mastersball.com where you can get Todd's projection for the 2024 season. Thank you and enjoy the show. Alrighty, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob D, the Dead Pull Hitter. My special guest tonight is Mr. Todd Zola himself. Todd, how you doing tonight? I guess that makes me the oppo guy, huh? That makes you I'm, the oppo hitter. I'm doing fine. How you doing, Rob? Good to see you in uh, Arizona a couple of weeks. Well, at this point, it was more than a couple of weeks, but a month ago, right? Yes, yes. My body um, has been telling me, though, it's felt like ages because there's <laughs> nothing like that warm heat on, on your body. I tell you, come back to the East Coast and the humidity and the cold has just uh, made it's me an wish eye-opener. for Arizona. It's a definite eye-opener. I keep saying one of these years when I go, I'm going to buy a one-way ticket. That wasn't this year. No, no. I mean, that's a, that's not too bad of an idea, Todd. <laughs> no, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely nice meeting you in person and meeting everyone else and finally experiencing that great event that is First Pitch Arizona. So I'm truly excited to keep doing it now every, yep. every year. You know, it's, uh, it's yep. fantastic for anyone to attend. Even if you don't like fantasy baseball, it's just baseball heaven um, for that whole weekend. So truly, truly good. So what's going on these days, Todd? What is Todd Zola up to? I know you're super busy getting your projections out for on Masters Ball, but what else you got cooking for the baseball world out there? This is profile season, right? I'm doing profiles mm-hmm. for magazines, for a couple of different websites, my own site. So it's, uh, it's profile season along with keeping up with the moves and just trying to just kind of think of some new new pieces, new, new angles, new areas to investigate and write about for the upcoming season. So it's busy. I'm not on a, you know, I'm not on a deadline. Well, I, I, mean, I have to get certain profiles in by a certain time, but it's, it's a little different. I mean, I can work on my leisure. I can sleep in, I can stay up. I can take a few minutes off here and there as a, you know, th- I say this now come March, I'll be saying I want structure. I want to know what I have to do and when I have to do it. And then come September, right. it's like I can't wait till off season when I'm free again. It's it's just a cycle. Yeah, it definitely is a cycle. I learned that this year, finally diving in and you know doing more than just the podcast. And yeah, um, when when October came and the season ended, I said this is good. It's going to be a nice little break. And I had this crazy urge after like two weeks. <laughs> That I was already behind people who were already getting into the data yeah. or whatever for this year, and I was—it's just my, just the way my brain works. But I, t- I'm totally with you. Um, right now, I love this—you know—the ability to just, you know, do it as I please. But, um, I'm kind of already craving the the structure. <laughs> I need, some, you need it a little bit, you little know, bit, a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. But that's cool. So um, how many, I know you're, you know, you definitely have your work out there in a lot of spots. So you wrote a wire on Masters Ball and where else can, can anyone find what you're doing right now? Um, I'm not right now. We're not. Well, I, I, I do football for ESPN, but that's not what you're asking. I oh. um I, I'm doing, I do work for ESPN during the season. Okay. Manage their daily notes and uh, write some standalone pieces and pinch hit for Tristan for uh, Tristan on the, I was going to call him Tristan Forecaster, Tristan Cockcroft on the Forecaster when Tristan has to do his family vacation sort of things. And this year I started a, uh, an agreement with Fantasy Baseball Index, which I'm their content provider for their uh, new founded draft kit that they've got. I've been doing some work for them kind of oh, nice. under, the, under the radar work. So it's, uh, it's nothing more than what I've already been doing, but was sharing it with Fantasy Baseball Index. And I do some work for them that I'm now going to share with my Masters Ball people. And I'm actually really excited about that because it's, it's like eight or nine thousand words for five straight weeks in in March, 
and I kind of felt, man, my my guy, my my people would really love this. Wow! And now they're going to get it. So anyway, oh, that's that's fantastic. That's that's a definite added bonus for that for sure. Um, what about? I know you used to. Um, do you still do that stuff with uh, the Creative Sports? I believe it was was it Creative Sports? Or right. Was... So Creative Sports is is Lar Michaels or the Lar Michaels right. site. And what I yeah I do. It's a little bit slow right now. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a house or a home or what do you want to call it for uh, fledgling writers. I okay. can't pay anybody, but if you're just looking for a place to post and get your name out there, I I'll, unfortunately all but the one gentleman I have with me now has found work elsewhere, and I keep trying to get him work, but they you know paying jobs this that and. Uh, I had a TGFBI winner write for me, and it's uh, you know we even want to be in the TGFBI right for creator sports like you can get in. So yeah, it's it's uh, I'm keeping it going in Lars' memory, and like I said, right now it's kind of slow. Maybe we can recruit some people for the for the upcoming baseball season. Great. So and and if anyone does want to or is interested, they could just contact you, or is there a way to reach out to that? And, uh, it used to be through the site, but. Yeah, it okay. costs it costs cost money on the to, to have that third party software. So we can't right. we don't want to do that. No, I'm just some I'm not I'm not completely kidding, but it's just as easy to send me a an email. Uh, actually, yeah, we can say it here because it's not like the bots are going to hear it and 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 send me <laughs> send me stuff. So todd.zola at gmail dot com. Okay, uh, great. Yeah, and you can hit. I mean, I'm not. You can you can shoot me a note on Twitter. I'm probably not following you. But uh, we can we can figure it out on Twitter too. Awesome, that's 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 very good. So um, lay out some of the other features that and and products that you have on Masters Ball because I know it's not just not just the profile and 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 the projection. There's tons of other stuff there that people can find very useful. I don't know about tons, to be honest. Let's be there's some um, there's there's other stuff, uh, but yeah, the the projections and the profiles are coming. The uh, the other thing I basically have are are a lot of uh, it's it's more to me. It's a it's more of a prep site. I do have in season stuff. I do it's like daily projections for those in daily leagues and DFS. I'm not gonna pound my chest like like you know like you're gonna win your DFS league. You're gonna take down the millie maker because of it. I put the stuff out there. A few people look at it. Um, but in season preseason, I have uh, some draft trackers for uh, rotisserie tile style leagues. And they're pretty popular for those using the draft champions. I wouldn't mm-hmm. recommend doing it in a fast draft because you use the site for that. But and it's not Roto Lab where it recommends players. It does have rankings and and, and that sort of thing. But I I think they're really cool. I have an Excel version in a in a in a souped up Google Doc version. I think is really cool. If all you're looking for is tracking, um, I think it's it might even be better than a draft software just because it's a little bit easier to use. Less bells and whistles, but anyway, and also the other thing I uh, uh, building I have built are some Excel sheets to track points leagues. Yep. Uh, so I've got all the popular points leagues that are currently uh, available, and a couple more that will be coming out. We're going to talk about one in a little bit. Uh, so again, they're not they don't say take this guy. They just help they track the rosters, and they just tell you who's available you know, with my rankings. But you can always adjust them. And I have a customizable version. I mean, I've got for what fan tracks and the cut line and NFBC twelves and the tens and twenty fives from Fanball. Um, I want your own point system in because one of the yeah. things with points, as you know, none of the major sites have the same system. 
Right. You know, <laughs> very, very confusing. Yep, absolutely. But no, I, I, I found it very helpful when I first started. Um, and I didn't, you know, coming from a carpentry background to just actually making a spreadsheet, I was really blown away. And for the first two years, I really leaned on it, you know, because then I would, you know, finally learned how to take my, uh, you know, skills to the next level. So, but for any person who just doesn't know how to even run a spreadsheet or just wants a nice, clean drafting tracker. And like you said, it, it's tracking, tracking is cool. It's fun. Um, you get to see who's left, you get to see who you have, you get to see your stats. It's, 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 it's a nice clean way to look at the draft as it's going on for sure. Um, all right, so let's talk about the process of projecting players. I always find it fascinating to hear how everyone, you know, gets into the business of doing that. So I guess let's out like, how do you start? Or where, where do you start? There's so much stuff. For me, it seems like it's so intimidating, but how do you just start? Step one. <laughs> step one. Well, step one is uh, get it, getting the stats. Now, um, I, I use a three-year weighted average. So the first step is just getting all the players together and, you know, ID numbers. And this, like I said, you, you get the stats and you get their basic stats and you decide what you want to use as, you know, the Marcells, I think was three, two, one. Um, you decide whether you do your test or just trust what other people say. The most recent years have more pull than the, the previous years. It's just, that's been, that's been proven and it just it makes intuitive sense. So the, the first step is just getting all the data, all the stats together. And a a projection is more than a weighted average. And that's what it used to be. I mean, that's what Masarles was. Um, for people that don't know it, it, it that uh, it's it's named after the monkey from Friends. It's Marcel's <laughs> is so easy, even a monkey can do it. <laughs> and that that's it. That's where it comes from. I'm not. I, I didn't watch the show, but I I. I have heard the story and once while you're flipping through hey look at that monkey anyway um that's just where reading chandler's book right now uh well not you know i i passed the part where he mentioned the that whole you know part of the monkey and at being um friends and i was pretty right. blown away I, I was like oh man just really fascinating too because i'm <laughs> learning so much about the history oh it's there, there's so much stuff in there that I have no idea, and I felt I'm walking away and just 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 blown away by by like what I'm learning, and I feel so much more grateful for everything that's been done until now. You know, it's, it's super good on the side from what we're talking about. Yeah, what Rob's but, talking about is Ron Chandler put out a book, Fantasy Expert, and it was available to those of us in Arizona. It'll be out in hardcover uh, after the first of the year. I yeah. don't know if there's any more soft covers left. But yeah, it's it's kind of a it's Ron's story, while telling the story of fantasy baseball in general. Yep. And um, he's very kind to to several of us, myself myself included. Um, yep. So I yeah, yeah, when I'm reading it, I'm, I'm, it was kind of weird. As I was just thinking about this today, as I'm reading it, I'm remembering my own mindset at the time. You know, when I first started, I thought I was you know the king of the world, and that's dumb, <laughs> that's stupid. They're doing it wrong, and. Kind of as I grew, as I'm, I'm remembering my different mindsets along the way. It's like, wow, you know, any better? But anyway, that's another story for another time. Um, all right, so basic projections are more than just a three-year weighted average. I think Marcel's had some um, aging curves in there. Uh, you know, basically, you can do some tests, back testing to find out how players age over time. And there's some, there's some. Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if there's so much controversy, but there's differing 
differing opinions about how one should age a player, different type of player, how granular you want to get. Is it a big body, a small body, is it a fast guy? Uh, what position does he play, et cetera, pitching versus hitting? But you have some kind of aging factor in there. Uh, and then the part that I think has grown over the years is we're learning more and more and more that the results, the stuff on the back of the baseball card is not always an accurate reflection of the skills the player displayed. Mm -hmm. The skills don't always portend, not so much portend, but just result in portend is what we're doing. Uh, the skills do not result in the outcomes commensurate with the skills. Right. So what we've learned to do over the years is not just weighted average of home runs, weighted average of, you know, wins or strikeouts. It's to do sort of the weighted average of the skills that result in the outcome. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you have the actual outcomes and then you have, you know, expected outcomes. And however one wants to do it, you, I, I call it a regression lever that I, I, you know, I, re, I, I give it 50% that I figure we don't know everything. We may not be capturing something the player is doing. So I don't want to totally say it was expected. Right. But, you know, if if it says that with this set of data, he should have hit 30 homers and he hit 36. Well, I mean, some of them probably were wind-aided, whatever, whatever, the, just timing the right park, the right pitch at the right time. So I, I cut it in half. Uh, and that's that's you know so I it's a lot of you know a lot of the underlying skills that can be risked strikeout strikeouts you can use uh, swinging strike and now you can use called strike with the uh, Nick Pollock and Alec Fast have refined that with CSW percent uh, ball percent from Baseball HQ portends walks mm -hmm. so you can you know you can be lucky and unlucky with a certain amount of I mean it makes so much intuitive sense but they did the research. If you throw a certain percentage of balls, your walk rate should 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 be should correlate, and it doesn't right. always do it. Uh, so that's you know, and, and home runs I, as far yeah. as the I've leaned into ball percentage a lot the last two yeah. years. Yeah, it's really really so easy to yeah. have that expected walk rate too from there. And I know Jeff Zimmerman also covered it on fan yeah. It's Yeah, I really like that one. It it's so a lot. it's so simple, and it does. I mean, it's not exact because there are reasons why pitchers maybe throw more balls because some of them are purpose pitches right? and right. pitching around. I mean, so it's not, that's why you regress. That's why you don't say he should have gotten, you know, 8% walk rate and he got 10. So I'm giving him an eight or, or vice versa. That's well, at least anyway, that's why I think you regress. Um, yeah. But any, I mean, any, any, you know, home runs, you can, there's a lot of different ways to look at home runs. Uh, you can look at the barrels, uh, uh, Mike Podhorzer, another very simple method that is like, wow, it really that works. Fly ball distance, not even home run distance. Right. Fly ball distance correlates really well with home run per fly ball. That's one of my favorites is fly ball distance. And you got the barrel now with Statcast, you know, barrel percent is is another really good. So you can figure out an expected homer. So so what I'm saying basically is, what I'll do is I will come. I have my own regressions and this and that. I will regress the skills. And, you know, the three-year weighted average of the regress skills and put it all together. 
And then you're going to turn the skills into, into the outcomes. And then once you've got the homers and the steals and blah, 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 you, then you have to convert it into runs and RBI, which, which again, uh, somebody, um, the Rangers last year, I know they won the World Series. They turned things around. They had an inordinately high batting average runners in scoring position. They just did. And that's why they were scoring so much early and not so much late. So the point being, there are certain mm. players who who there's RBI or the RBI totals, they're they were just artificially high. It's all a matter of timing. You know, we clutch, eh, does it exist? Eh. It's all about the timing. I happen to hit a home run with, with two men on, I get three RBI. The same home run could be a single a solo shot. And you know, so runs and RBI are can also be, I don't want so much regressed, but adjusted based upon circumstance as well. So do this with batters and hitters. I just sell everything down to per, per plate appearance or per, per inning pitched. Then you project the playing time, which is a talking to itself, and there and, and then it comes out with the projection. Now, what I will also do though is, all right, I'm I'm not done. I mean, there are certain players where. Sometimes not right away. And I'm there there are players I haven't adjusted yet, which I'm going to adjust because I haven't learned why I need to adjust them yet. But when you when you're regressing 50%, you get a built-in wiggle room on either side. If I make it 75 or if I make it 25, I'm not like I mean, there any of those numbers are valid. Right. So if I if I if I look in I know you're you know you're into the you know dead pull hitter. You're into like mm. pull, pulls and barrels. If this, wow, this guy's got six extra homers. Then I'll take a look at the underline. Oh, you know what? This guy's a pull hitter in blah 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 park. And these these are expected because it's compared to the universe in that park. Yeah, this guy's real, and I will alter the regression in his favor. Uh, right. sort sort of thing. Yeah, so I I, like I do. I like so I don't I don't. My my system may not be as in depth as others that may may work that in. Derek Hardy's the bat probably works all that in. I don't work it in. It's it's kind of baked in to their original stat line, right? Because I mean, a guy like Marcus Semien, the dead pull hitter, his home runs are already high. You don't want to make him higher because he's a pull hitter. It's reflected right. in when he's done. So you got to be right. careful about double dipping or whatever the expression might. Be, or double penalizing for some people but um and then uh pitching over the years i've refined it i mean i i will i now project a babip and i project a left on base and we've learned a little bit more than what boris mccracken taught us about everybody regresses to 300 pitchers have not as much control as people hope or think they do over their hard hit rate but more than we originally thought 20 years ago Interesting. I th- you right. know what I, I mean? So yeah, the, the whole Blake Snell argument that the pitchers do not have as much control over their hard hit rate as some want to believe, but it's not, you can't say like we did again, when, when whip dips first came out, you can't say it's com- complete luck. It goes further than ground ball, fly ball. Uh, we learned right away. Ground ball pitchers have a higher BABIP and, Fly balls are lower because more ground balls are base hits than fly balls that stay in the yard. Um, well, all ground balls stay in the yard pretty much. But the um, we, yeah, the pitchers have a little control. So I don't 
you know, I, I the Babip, I will, you know, you know, this guy he, he throws this particular pitch and it's the 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 global batting average in this particular pitch is pretty low. So he he owns his low BABIP a little more than somebody else. So I will adjust and and, and tweak the BABIPs and left on base. Uh, people call strand rate from Baseball HQ. Uh, you know that's I don't want to use proprietary. It's out there so much now that it's almost commonplace. But strand rate is a Baseball HQ stat. Left on base is very similar. They tell you the same things. So I'll call it left on base. The average is what seventy two, but yep. good pitchers can sustain a rate up to 78% without it being luck. So you don't want to automatically regress the best pitchers left on base to 72 because the better pitchers can end it in relievers uh, because they fewer innings and because it has to do with sometimes not completing innings and, all right, a guy scores and the game's over and they didn't, they didn't, you know, three more runs would have scored had he stayed in. Their left on base is usually artificially high. So you can't, you know, you can't just regress every closer's left on base to 72 or you'd be projecting with ERAs, you know, much higher than they're going to get because their left right. on base is strand rate. A little bit skewed. It's better suited for more innings. Gotcha. Yeah, and I know that's that. The, the left on base is something that's, that's really giving people some pause with Blake Snell. <laughs> Not only that, but on top of the Babbitt too. But but I mean, well, he he he's kind of always ran a little bit high of uh, left on base. We learned. Himself. We talked about Arizona. We learned. I mean, Nick, Nick Pollock had some good reasons why Snell did what he did. It was more. It was more than the luck that I thought it was. Um, Snell was delivering the ball in zones where, that led to weak contact. And he was consistently right. delivering the ball there it, it, for more than just a couple of starts. Now, the problem is no one believes he'll be able to do it again next year, continue to put the ball in that particular spot. So my question, and this, I, mean, I talked to Nick and I talked to Eno about it, you know, whatever. I, I have a problem with, he did it, uh, he, you know, he did it. He he deserved to be credited for it, but I don't think he can do it again. To me, then, there's some, there's a, there's an area there. Well, if he did it, why can't he do it again? And if he can't, then there's an element of happenstance to when he first did it. But it's more, and I don't know, there's, there's a this there's in-between area there. And it's just, I'm, I'm more appreciative of what Blake Snell did, but I you know I you know I was on Twitter saying Spencer Strider's a uh, you know should have gotten the Cy Young over Blake Snell because he pitched better. Well, you know I took took some heat for it, but I'm I'm a, I have a little bit more respect, not so much respect, understanding. Yes, of understanding. why Snell did what he did, uh, but the fact that everybody that's able to analyze it says I'm drafting Strider next year over Snell because there's no way he can do it again. Well, then how much of that was anyway? We're getting off topic, but. Uh, no, no, I, I mean, I like it. It's, it's just, just these it's, are the best. These are the best parts of the podcast yeah. when they lead to you know <laughs> these conversations. I yeah. love it. <laughs> well, of course, I said this. Now we're gonna, you know, we'll break the news that Blake Snell signs with the Red Sox, and suddenly he's the best guy. Well, you know, card carrying Red Sox fan. But um, uh, although my 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 niece and sister have jumped off the bandwagon after trading Verdugo last night, but that's neither here nor there. 
Mm, I really do like the uh, pitching coach <laughs> grab though from the Twins because uh, yeah, I, that's a good that's a good move. I just listened to a couple podcasts with him. I like I like his brain. I like his uh, I like his thoughts, and I like I I'm excited for that. I yeah. didn't. I thought Dave Bush did a good job early on with the staff, but it just for whatever reason it, the the message it just wasn't able to continue. And that was just sort of weird. Now, did they get the coach or the coordinator? Didn't they just they just got a a pinch of coordinator? I don't. Maybe it is the coach because they did hire the coach because they got Andrew Bailey for actual pitching coach, and then and the coordinator from the yeah, Swings. and yeah, the coordinator. Right. Yes, right. yes, yes. Uh, given how they um, all of a sudden everyone has swinging strike rates uh, through the roof on that team, it's pretty. Yeah, pretty well, um, yeah, especially probably. since it used to be the you know Brad Radke, you know the. <laughs> You know, so anyway, there's a name for you. Well, that was that was their that was their model, right? They they came on as BB. Now suddenly they're they are looking for missing bats and uh, (laughs) and Bailey Obert's being horribly underdrafted, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) I know, I know. It gets sent down the minors, and everyone kind of thinks that uh, that's that's going to be a recurring theme, but um, it's yeah. It's a, it's a little, it's a little, uh, it's a little funny game. This is, this is why I love, you know, doing the early drafting too, or at least pe- taking a peek at it because there's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of head scratchers for sure. Um, but you mentioned the, like the runners and scoring position thing. I think that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty interesting topic because I noticed too, as a, a couple of guys I was keen in on and it's like, man, why did this guy lose so much opportunity, um, you know, to drive runners in? I know some of y'all got that burning itch to draft because it is MLB hot stove. So get into a draft on Undog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has a live MLB best ball called the Bullpen where you can draft a team for the 2024 MLB season. It's a best ball format. So all you do is join the Bullpen, draft a team. That is it. No waivers, no trades, no in-season management. You draft 20 players, you get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, one flex each week of the regular season. Get it started. Very simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code PULLHITTER. And Underdog doubles your initial deposit up a hundred bucks. The bullpen is also only a five bucks to enter, seventy-five thousand in total prizes. What are you waiting for? Let's get in Underdog right now. Promo code pull hitter and get that first deposit double so you can draft with me in the bullpen today. Must be eighteen or older, nineteen or older in Alabama, Nebraska, twenty-one or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms may apply. If you're concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. So that, is that something that can be like applied universally or it has to be like a universal, like this guy's show? Like, can you, can you display a skill with runners and scores? position or is it just kind of like a league average thing i don't think i mean there's there's all this you know the whole clutch argument yeah yeah it's i mean they've done studies where people shooting free throws under pressure not you know there's there's only there's a few only only a certain few sort of ways to test where you're just testing the person's nerves without having any other factor Fight. Um, you know, get a ball throw, you know, pitcher throwing a ball at you. There's a lot of other factors. So, you know, free throws under pressure is just kind of like you and the rim and, you know, the crowd. And they, they, I believe most, some of the more recent studies show, you know what, there's, there, there's a little bit there, yeah. but I don't think it, you know, 
the whole David Ortiz is clutch. Derek Jeter is clutch. Those are overblown. Now, they, there is, you know, like a closer. I think the and this isn't new anymore. I mean, maybe it was new when I didn't talk about it 20 years ago. Um, a closer, the reason he's not so good in non-closing situations is because he doesn't have that adrenaline. And the better closers take that adrenaline and harness it in a positive manner and improve their skills. And -hmm. if they don't have that rush, then their skills don't get that leap and they're not as good of a pitcher. So I think there's, I don't, again, with with same similar with, you know, the other thing with, with, I think there is something about clutch, about handling the moment, about slowing your heart down and not getting your mind going goofy over the situation, but I do think it's a little overblown. But as far as batting average and scoring position, it's usually a little bit higher than your regular batting average because you're usually facing pitchers from the wind up uh, from the stretch, and it just the mm, yeah. you're just a little bit less effective on the whole. Um, Jonah Heim is the guy I'm thinking of. He's probably going to be overdrafted because his his, his RBI was just through the roof, and he. Is probably you know if so if people are just looking at his numbers from last year, he's probably not going to drive and runs at the same pace, so he may be a little bit overdrafted. Um, we'll see. I mean, the Rangers yeah. did catch up. That's why you know when they went in their slump, they did towards the end kind of normalize and you know knock the runners in when they're supposed to, but they were right. just had an inordinate number of runners in scoring position uh, batting average. Now the opposite was we talked a little about San Diego. Their batting average is better than scoring position was terrible. And I don't think it was lack of clutch or nerves or just it's just the way it worked out. When you've got 30 teams, you know, you're gonna have outliers that are within the realm of probability, right? right. It's it's a dumb example, but I like, you know, if 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 32 people flip a coin six times, one of them's gonna get six heads. They weren't lucky. One of the 32 is going to get six heads, right? Right. You know, it's just so you can flip a coin head six times in a row. If there's 32 teams or 30 teams, they just happen to be the one. Now, four teams flip a head. Okay, you know, three, one, three, you were unlucky or or lucky, whichever way you want to look at it. I don't know which one of these was, but one of you guys was lucky. (laughs) But um, one of my favorite things is to ask someone that uh, that question, you know, like if if you flip the a coin 10 times and you got heads 10 times straight what's the percentage you'll get heads on the 11th time and i love when people say oh probably about 75 percent no it's 50. yeah Yeah. Yeah. well gambler's fallacy right i mean we 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 look at it with with pitchers beating the beating the era this guy's Mm -hmm. xfip or sierra whatever you want to use it's always been higher than is actually array for the past four years it's been higher well how many pitches are there what 10 per team 300 so if you use the silly example i just used we'll call it 320 pitchers 32 of those pitchers are going to be lucky six years in a row so right. i don't yeah. know that he beat his fifth or beat his i mean it's it just or, or that he i don't think he owns that skill when you do it for three years right you know sometimes you do it until you don't and then, then you know and then well, the other part about Gamber's fallacy, you kind of alluded to it, is the other end of that question. Um, 
well, he was he, his, his ERA was half a run too high this year. That means it's going to be half a run too low next year. Right, you right. <laughs> yeah. Not no, no, no. That's no, not. Or you know, <laughs> or even he, first half of the year, he was lucky. He's going to be unlucky the second half because he always ends up hitting two eighty. No, you need to expect two eighty for the rest of the year. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, you threw out X fifty era. Is there a preference for you on on using one or the other? Um. I prefer well first, I mean, yeah, all right. I prefer XFIP over FIP. Okay. Um, I mean, you have to understand what each of them what what go into each of them. XFIP normalizes home runs, which I think is important. Right. Um, and they both have neutralization factors to make the average of each be the league average. So um yep. I like I don't I, Sierra and XFIP to me kind of dovetail a little bit. So if I'm looking just if I just want to get the information, it's on Fangraphs. If I don't want to get you know into the weeds and use proprietary information, which I can't you know talk about, I can talk about XFIP and Sierra, and you know no one's going to come after me. I do like XFIP more than more than uh, FIP, and uh, you know probably equally with Sierra, but you have to understand what they're talking about. And there are scenarios where you, you know, XFIP, there are pitchers who they own that home run rate. They're fly ball pitchers and et cetera. You know, they don't have a lot of spin on their four seamer where the FIP might be more telling because they, 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 you don't want to regress the home run rate as much. So, Yeah, I mean, they're all better than the old, um, oh, why can't I think of Gillen Reeves? Is that the one? Uh, The the initial expected ERA, um, which I still use at times. But, yeah, we've come a long way. And I know there's, what, DRA, and there's all sorts of (laughs) other other manifestations. P-P-E-R-A. P-P-P-P-P-P-P-E-R-A. There's a lot of P's. (laughs) Yeah, they're all, you know, they're all good. Um, The thing is, like, any stat, and you know this, I've heard you talk about it. There's there's no good and there's no bad stat. What's bad is if you don't understand how to use the stat. Correct. If Correct. you understand how to use it, it could be good. Uh, I, you know, I'm seeing stuff now. Sense. I'm seeing stuff now where people are overlaying spray charts and using expected homers to look at this and that. I mean, oh, oh like the oh, look what this guy will do here, Verdugo and Soto. Yeah. Now, I mean. <laughs> There, it tells you more than nothing, but those hits occurred under uh, certain pitches at certain times in certain scenarios. And for like Alex Rudugo is not going to get pitched the same way in the Yankee same, Stadium yes. as he did in Fenway Park, right? Fenway and he's also not going to approach it the same way either, him himself, right? Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> in, in that specific yeah. park, yeah. Right. So, you know, for the, the, uh, in Fenway, you wanted to pull the ball because he has to hit it twice to get it out. Right. And in Ranky Stadium, you know, so they pitch him inside. We don't want you to reach out and poke it off that wall. We want you to, you know, hit it, get a fly ball at the bullpen. And Yankee Stadium, it's the opposite. They're going to pitch him outside because they don't want to pull it. So the, the the spray charts are okay, but too many people make the leap of faith that well, this is going to happen again. Bing, put it over, and this is and, and same with Juan Soto. Um, it's not the. the you know, and I so I know some of them adjust for weather, and yeah, yeah, but not all. Uh, again, they're better than nothing. But let's not let's not look at and 
well, Soto's going to hit 82 homers because look at all these red balls that landed across the fence. And actually, StatCast home runs for Soto are down in Yankee Stadium. So it's going to be interesting. That's because I guess he just doesn't have a tendency to pull it all the time. And um, Right. I don't know. And like you just said, you, know, you just said the key thing. He Maybe he changed his approach in Yankee Stadium. When you can reach out and touch the stands with your bat, maybe you change the approach. So, most, you know, I mean, on the other hand, using straight park factors isn't perfect either. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I know that's, you know, the, everyone's like, oh, well, Bre you know, Bregman can't do it again. You know, all he does is hit these cheap homers over the over the Crawford box. I'm like, but that he's playing to the park. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and and that's, that's what a good professional at any job does, right? He, right, right, He right. takes advantage of the environment of this, of, of what he has in front of him to do his yep. best job. <laughs> right. I mean, and as it, long it, as he's, yeah, as long as they don't move the box or he's staying in Houston, he, he owns that. Now, you, if he goes to another place, yeah, I'm going to, you know, crush him. But right. I've learned to accept that, you know, and, and, and Marcus Simeon, he's kind of your guy, the dead pull hitter. Mm -hmm. As long as he's in a park where, you know, the first quadrant from the from the line to, you know, is is fairly reasonable, he's going to continue to hit an inordinate amount of homers, you know, pull an inordinate amount of homers. So Absolutely. he's not, not going to Baltimore where they'd be taken away, right? Right. Uh, he, did, right. he did 80 of them in Tampa. Jeez. Yeah. And, and, and also too, like they're, they're, they're the type of hitters too, that aren't getting that crazy super loft on it, where it starts to yeah. lose that distance, where it starts to get that backspin, where it's like caught up in the, in the air. Like they're, they're just, they're, they're really good at what they do. <laughs> you know, that's they, the, that's the other they, thing with Soto is it's an, to me, it's an unfair comparison. Oh, he's the next, or so much like Ted Williams. All right. His eye and pitch recognition is like Teddy. Right. But, Soto's more the line drive. Williams had a huge uppercut. I mean, he, he was the launch angle revolution before we were measuring it. Soto right. doesn't have that huge launch angle. Um, you know, he's gonna hit he's gonna run into 30 homers because he hits the ball so dang hard, but he's not like a slugger, right? No, he's not. It those those comparisons are just they they drive wow. me nuts a little bit. <laughs> they, they 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 really they really grind my gears. <laughs> Well, uh, that's what you know. We go to these seminars when so, someone says, "Who's the next uh, Spencer Strider?" Who's you know? It's like, right. I mean, it's kind of a silly question because, well, if we knew who it was, he wouldn't be him. Because the question is, <laughs> who don't we know is going to do this? Um, so anytime yeah. we ask, like, I know comps are important, especially with prospects, but it's like you know, I, I compare to this guy, and, and someone will say, "Well, this guy, you know, has, uh, doesn't lift his foot as much." Well. I'm not doing a verbatim comparison, you know. I'm, yeah. You know, but, and I never know what you would, what you want me to compare, right? So I kind right. of try to avoid them, but sometimes they, you have to paint a picture. Sometimes you got to use them. Right. Absolutely. So you, um, so we're talking on the on the on the topic of the uh, pulled, you know, pulled fly ball, pulled barrels. Do you have anything right. else to like add to that? Like, is there any, um, you know? How useful are they in like, you know, how much should they influence your decision on what a player if if they're not you know dead pull hitters like a Simeon or, well, or this, Bregman? This 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 kind of feeds into the, you know, know know the source of your projection and yep. know what they do to to come up with the projection. Hopefully, they're pretty transparent. 
because I right. and pull fly balls and barrel. These these things are all important. But if they are used, if the if if you, if you know if there's a piece describing how I do projections and one of my factors is is barrel percent, etc. It ha- it's already factored in. You can't. Well, this guy's better because he's got a high barrel. You have to understand the source of it. Sometimes you can't. I mean, I don't know that all the projections out there are as transparent for whatever reason, and and um, you, you often can't learn it. But when you know, and this is something you can do that I sort of can't, just because of what the relative things what we do in the industry. I can't do the twenty five or thirty. Like incredibly deep dives that you do for either publication or your own drafting purposes. I had to project 1500 God dang players. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to miss, yeah. I'm going to miss, you know, I mean, it's people like you and, 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 you know, some of the people that I trust that do some of the inter, you know, in-depth analysis, you know, you're going to tell me something that I wasn't able to, not that I couldn't maybe, but maybe I couldn't, I don't know, but there's so much, there's so many people doing this in-depth analysis out there that you just you based upon what people do. I have to I have to keep up and and, and learn and and adjust my methods uh, accordingly, but when you do your own analysis, you know, you have to understand you're right. The barrels are pull hit, you know. What what is it? The pull hitting pull hitting home runs are stickier usually. Is that one of the that's one of the um I don't know what you yeah. mantra, but if yeah, monikers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you uh when when a when a batter pulls a lot of his home runs He's more likely to repeat. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those. That's one of it's what you know, stickier. So yeah, and um, it's also to just to that 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 part of the physics. Uh, yeah, the way the ball comes off the bat and 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 fly the actual trajectory toward that you know part of the field. Uh, it just uh, you know leads to easier path well, out. Not and and on top of being the smallest uh, distance and in, in the park, you know. Right. Well, the the example I like to use, and it's kind of silly, but it it makes sense. If you are swinging an axe and knocking down a tree, you're not parallel with the tree, right? Because right. by the, by the time that axe hits the tree, you haven't like generated your full axe speed yet. You know, right. you generate you know you, you, you forward thrust, and then you have to slow down, or else you know you fall over. So a, when you pull a ball, the the contact is made when the bat is out there a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you now some of the players that go the opposite way, they actually adjust the feet. They're in the bucket, so they have generated the bat speed, but their whole body shifted. But a lot of times, when you go the other way, you're you're waiting, and your bat hasn't generated the same bat speed yet. Right. So right. so that's that's it's sort of some of the physics behind uh, why why pull are better, why pull, why pulled balls are better, because by the time you make at the time of contact, you have a higher bat speed when you pull the ball. Yep. Yep. And and I I'm going to be really fascinated when the 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 uh, bat speed and 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 you know eventually comes out on Stackhouse. <laughs> I just want to be I just want to be alive. I... <laughs> and and let, he... let, let smart people like you tell me what to do with it. I'm going to be too <laughs> too old to figure it out at that point. <laughs> no, but I think you also like you you know you really hit something that um resonates with me really well too is um you know, like having, you know, a projection and 
or several of them to digest and then being able to do those, you know, deeper dives. Um, like you said, sometimes you're, you're going to catch things maybe that you're just not paying attention to because you have to pay, you know, you have to do so many other things. Uh, yeah. And, and there's so many times where I'll, I'll, I'll do the dive and I'm like, I don't know if I learned anything, <laughs> you know? And like you said too, like, um, you don't want to do that double dip. You don't want to say, oh yeah, I believe in this guy more because he goes to his pole side better because like you said, like, you know, steamer may already have that factored in or whatever. Right. Um, and, and now you're doing that double dip and, uh, maybe you'll be let down by the, you know, the outcome of that season but um this is all really fascinating stuff it's really um you know when i first <laughs> it's it's i've come so far from when i first just started casually playing fantasy baseball and i talked to my brothers about this because they're right they're just like you know i i can't i can't, can't keep up with you anymore because they're just like what are you talking about Rob? <laughs> like all and, these you know, things I mean, matter <laughs> and oh it ruins the game i don't think it does I think it embellishes no. it. I don't. I think yeah. it embellishes it, and it doesn't ruin it. Um, and I, I understand, you know, the people that that don't want to accept, uh, and you know what? I mean, I'm actually older than you know. I'm just turned you know, over sixty, so I'm in that group of the get off my lawns. But I'm also a scientist, <laughs> and under you know, understand that you can learn, you know, can continue to learn. So I don't. I mean, I don't know that. I don't think it ruins the game. I think that it embellishes it, but you can't get so, I mean, you, you can't, it's a beautiful game. You can't overlook just the, you know, the, the beauty of watching the game and that there are humans doing it and we're never going to be able to simulate everything so long as we don't have, ro oh, man, the day we have robots, we have already robots playing the game, uh, playing fantasy. We can't have robots playing the game itself. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> oh, God. I hope not. Uh, I mean, the way society is heading, though, who, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. You never know. So um, has there been anything like recently, whether it be like trends in the game or a metric that like you felt more confident in as as time has gone? Um, The problem with that is the again, you know, as you know, as the scientist. Yep. Every year, there's something new, yeah. especially over the past <laughs> few years, whether it's the jumpy ball or the shortened season or the, you know, all right, we had a full season, but spring training was confined into three weeks and people weren't ready and there was no minor leagues. And and now we're changing the rules. It's like, just we're just, just not sure. So it's not, I don't know if it's so much that, there's something I, I trust more. It's just a, it's a better understanding that it's not the projection. It's what you do with it. Right. More. Okay. Than, and, and I think we get a little hung up on, 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 you know, the static projection and, and, and a ranking and a draft sheet and an ADP, you know, it, you know, if I give my rankings to 15 people, and they do a draft off of my rankings. One's going to think I'm a genius. One's going to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> and there's 13 more that are somewhere in between. So it's 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 not that the rankings were terrible. It's that person that won. I'm right, they got lucky. No, they know how to assimilate a team more than yeah. anything. And you, you you probably saw my quote in Ron, and you mentioned Ron's book. I talk about this. 
Um, I think it's a skill putting together a team. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and that's the people in the industry that maybe don't win tout wars or NFPC, but they tell you some damn valuable information and you can't dismiss it because they haven't won a big league. They maybe they just don't build a team as well. And then there are people that don't know how to spell SGP. Right. But they know how to build a team. Right. You know, they have no <laughs> idea where that value came from. But they know how to build a team. So, uh, you know, and I, it, it, but is there, are there stats I'm more comfortable with? Um, I, I suppose, they're, you know, they're doing further refines with StatCast. So yeah. I think as they as they get more data, the expected numbers maybe 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 come out. You can trust them a little bit more. Um, they, they're still not there yet. Um, I'd like to see improvement on park factors, even though it's not that you're never going to flesh out all the bias. I think Statcast can help us with that down the line. I think I've proved my own methods. Uh, just like I mentioned before. Yeah. projecting left on base and projecting BABIP. Um, I didn't do that. I just kind of, I mean, I, I projected and I thought this was a good projection. I never checked the BABIP. I never checked the left on base. And I'm checking them now because I think they need to be realistic. So I, I think maybe mm. I've fine-tuned my own, but I don't know that there's any anything out there. I'm, I'm more comfortable predicting home runs because of this. Right. I don't know that there's anything that I can think of that's really – wowed me i mean okay because it's changing yeah yeah so many changes <laughs> so with the park factors it's is um the more the better if it's like if if one stadium changes drastically in one year is it is it is it kind of good to look at that small snapshot or do you still no. want it's it's not right no um i mean yeah no one year is not this we use three years yeah now the the formula the formula is supposed to flesh out bias, but it can't. It can't flesh out all the bias. Right. Um, and we talked a little about Fenway. We talked a little about Yankee Stadium. Uh, basically, you compare what your home pitchers and your road pitch, your home pitchers did, and your home hitters did on the road versus away, and you know, and, and that's that's what the park does. On an extreme example, if you've got in Fenway Park, a team full of hitters that just hit the ball down the line, left-handed batters that hit the ball down the line and hit pesky pole every single time, Fenway Park is going to be the best park there is for left-handed hitters. Okay. But yep. the point is, A, that's you know extreme. Other teams, you know, they're they've got regular left-handed hitters that can't hit the ball over the bullpen because it's so far. So that's an extreme example, but the point being, there there are you don't flesh out all the biases. There are some team biases, whether they're whether they're designed by the team or just plain happenstance. You're not going to flesh it all out uh, from the from the uh, from the park factors. Um, they're better than nothing, but they're not great. Now you know it kind of brings a what are so what what did you do with Candom Yards after just that one year? Mm. Because you, you can't can't make it the old way because defenses have changed. Right. You can't take it verbatim because you don't know that it may play. It may even been, been worse. Right. So I I I, I just there are people like Derek Cardi that have calculate they go beyond you know that actually have calculations 
you know, just 10 times smarter than me and 10 times better with the computers that they, he can just plug in the dimensions and the, in the atmosphere and the altitude, and he can estimate how the park will play. I'll, I'll listen to people like Derek and see, and, and kind of tend towards what they say, because it's, it's a bit beyond what I'm able to do. Um, but you know, you just you, why you want two in three years and we're dealing right. with, with Toronto with the moves and city field made a move. And, um, there was a third park that, that, that had some, some renovation in it. And sometimes it's not even the park. It was at San Diego that they did construction outside of the park that changed the winds. And it's just, yeah, uh, that was, I think, um, San Francisco with the, uh, yeah, San Francisco. the wind wall. Yeah. 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 It, well, it, San Diego did too. Uh, yeah, San Francisco yeah, right. was whether they, they had did. the, San Francisco was whether they had the gate open or closed. Right, correct. San Diego actually did some construction, did some, you know, build up the area. Yes, and, it, and they it, also it, changed the yeah. batter's eye too. I think yeah. it's even that 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 was an issue. I batter's believe. eye is huge. It helped. Batter's target eye field. is huge, right? Oh man, yeah, it's helped target field. Yeah, it's 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 so fascinating because I've I, I've seen people be like. They're major league hitters. They should just be able to hit the ball regardless. It's just not the point. It's well, just like if there's a distracting uh, scene behind it, <laughs> you know. Every time, every time I write this pitcher is moving to this park, his strikeout and walk rates are going to get better or worse. Or some people just you know laugh. Oh, how can that be? But there are some people who generally what do you, you know explain. You know, it's like every time I, I so part of it the batter's eye. Right. And you know the, the better the batter's eye, you're going to make better contact. Foul territory. Um, the more foul territory, you're going to get more foul outs, and the the, the 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 count doesn't go as deep and cuts down on certain things. So, strikeouts and walks. We're talking park factors in general. Parks affect strikeouts and walk. And the Colorado, the way that the way the ball breaks. Right. Sounds like a nursery rhyme. And the way the ball breaks, um, <laughs> hitters will. Anyway, hitters will. You don't want me singing. Anyway. <laughs> Anything's welcome here on the board. I'm going to get Dave Potts on that. Sing him nursery rhyme about Colorado oh, and the way the ball breaks. Fantastic. So, um, you know, I was reading I was reading a little bit in the forecaster in the beginning. You know, they always have uh, some great abstracts and just. Yeah. Uh, you know, things to remember as you're playing fantasy baseball. You know, the one thing they that I always enjoy reading is them trying to um figure out like, so what's good projection? You know, like what what's good to get right and wrong? Because you could be right on with the slug, but you could be t you know ten to fifteen home runs off. You know, so I was always wondering like, how do you measure your Projections and how they did. Like, what's the measurement for you? I don't. You don't. I don't. Um, okay. The measurement is. This is going to sound. Dumb. Do people keep coming back and buying my junk? <laughs> and if they do, they <laughs> kept finding it. You know, I, I doesn't mean I'm not trying to improve, but I don't. I, I, I kind of. I don't. I have. No, I have yet to see. And you kind of alluded to it, but you know, you get the slug right, but you were off your doubles and homer ratio was way off. Right. I have yet to find a projection rating system. And I know some really smart people do it. Um, that that I believe is a true measure of the system. And I haven't had the inclination, so do one yourself. I don't know that I mean, I don't know that it would help me. I would rather spend the time learning about 
barrel percent, the new fingled statistics and incorporating them than I am, you know, about the back check, et cetera. Um, you know, playing time, you know, we projections are so scientific. We don't apply near that level of science to playing time, which we probably should. Because yeah. it's that's probably more important. I, I had this conversation with with Chris List several years ago on, on Sirius XM. But Jeannie would have come up to you, uh, Rob, and say, I'm going to give you the slash line of every player for the upcoming season, or I'm going to give you the number of plate appearances. Which would you want? Oh, give me the PT. Yeah, give me the plate. Because, well, first of all, if there's a lot of plate appearances, it kind of implies they hit well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so yeah. so I mean, but yet we spend so much more time on the plate appearance. So the point being, when when one judges a projection system, how much you know, how much credence? And I know Jeff Zimmerman, for an example, uh, judges playing time, and that's you know separately sort of from uh, skills. And I think that's important. I think I think I think I think, I think Rudy, I think Rasball does it as well. They they kind of judge someone's playing time. Who does a better job at playing time? But to me, I just – and it feeds back to what I said before. To me, it's so much more important what you do with the projection yeah. than, than fine-tune – you know, if I can get it – and I don't even know if it's 70%. I'm sure you've heard it. 70% accuracy. I'm not really sure where that comes from, but that's what's accepted. <laughs> so, I you always know, wondered where that came yeah, from. <laughs> a 70% chance of rain. Does that mean that on seven days it's going to rain? What does that mean in 70% of the listening area it's going to rain? I don't know what that means. It means I'm going to wear an umbrella or bring an umbrella because it's probably going to rain. So, all right. So if I can get from 70 to 75, which is probably a huge leap, which is it more important that I do that or that I have a better understanding of where to draft pitching relative hitting, when to get my closer yep. and, and, and how to build speed into my lineup. I think it's more important on that element than yeah. it is, getting it from 70 to 75%. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree on that whole roster construction skill set is really big because, um, you know, especially doing these slow draft champions, it's, there's sometimes where, uh, you know, you'll have to maybe take uh, a player that that's maybe a little lesser skilled or you believe in a little less it just fits your build better you know and, and because that's part of the puzzle you know um making you know putting together that team is is making sure you have uh you know that you're not going to have a third baseman that's going to be you know too bad or or whatever it is you know um and exactly it, it's it's such a big thing it, and it's it's, it, it's more important than saying well this is the best player available so i'm taking him you know it has to it has to fit well at the end yeah Shoot. and it it's more than i already have a speed guy i'm not i don't need another one i duh everybody knows that right yeah um, but yeah but there there is a certain finesse there is a certain art art to the draft reading the room knowing your opponents, seeing what other people are doing. Um, is there a Reds fan in the room that's going to draft Matt McClain? Oh. <laughs> and if you, if he's, he's my, I'm going to get Matt McClain in every draft. No, not if you're in a room with a Reds fan, you know? So it, <laughs> it's, it's no, and it's, it's fun. The, the NFBC at this point, everybody knows everybody at this point. Early on, we didn't. Right. Yeah. Right now. I mean, I'm, I can't say we, cause I don't, I, I don't play very much anymore. 
uh, I play the the lower entry uh, contest. But everybody knows everybody at this point. Yeah. If you did your homework, you know. I mean, I, you know, you do draft champions. I'm guessing before you know, well, the first thing you do is you look to see who is in the league and what their draft spot is because that's going to matter for you what you do. Yep. Yeah, it's so funny too because in in the pull hitter Discord right now we do have a a channel just for you know draft champions and and gladiators and literally every draft that goes up there's three or four or five people <laughs> from there in the, each draft and they're all like oh nice pick there and this, they're sharing stuff and it's pretty wild because like you said yeah. at this point it's um I just had an interesting in this uh slow draft champions that just started up Matt um I had the third pick and you know Acuna is just you know you don't have to think about that one you just have right. to start thinking about who you're getting so I'm like all right you know I have to think about you know all right so is it going to be wit or j-rod you know because it kind of that's that's the usual two three or maybe something else happened and uh i say oh i'm on the clock all right so okay it's, <laughs> I'm, you know i've been thinking about it in the shower wit or j-rod you know like i have a wit already do i go with j-rod do i get another wit and i look up and i see huh someone took matt olsen with the second pick and it's just Threw me for such a loop that I was like, "Wow, this is this is different," you know. And um, that guy is just completely um, like, I can't even plan around the wheel as saying, right. "Oh, he has this," because he is totally not even looking at ADP, which is fascinating. And I just find that fascinating because this, this, this. You don't have to. That's the thing. You don't have to. Um, but it's it, it's every now and then though that that that'll happen in your draft where you're completely like, okay, yeah, I I don't know what's happening here. But um, that's the wonderful thing about fantasy baseball. <laughs> you know, right, right. <laughs> the and wonderful thing. Someone will say, well, the number two pick never ever lives up to expectations. So why should I pick somebody? Who's not going to live up? If, if only thirty-two percent of the first round lives up to expectation, I should probably pick someone who is, you know, who's going to jump in it. I mean, I don't agree with that. I think you 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 take your chances that you get one of the five first rounders that that lives up to the expectation and hope that you pick someone later who's an, plays like a first rounder. But I've heard that explanation. Why why right. should I take? You know, I mean, why should I take Acuna first? Because the, the number one player never is the number one player. The, no. the big yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> it's that even big, it's even. Yeah. Using a cognac this year is even more hyperbolic. Yeah, right? yeah, it really is. It really is. I'm in the I'm in the draft chat every time the the number one pick goes off, and I'm like, come on, be a little contrarian. Right. You know, Acuna is not going to be the number one overall player this year. If, if they don't make the pick the second they're on the clock, like, what are you thinking about? <laughs> yeah, uh, several people are just. Just put the first pick on auto, you know. I've never seen it so many times that, other than this year. You know, they absolutely know where they're going to because, yeah. you know, amazing season for Macuna. Um, so just quickly on yeah. the, you know, like coming coming into last year with all those new rules, was there right. anything that was kind of, oh yeah, I kind of saw this, or was there anything that was like, oh man, this was a lot different than I thought. Um. All right, we expected more steals. Yeah. The one the one aspect of it that, that caught me off guard, and it's only one year, the problem is we're never going to be able to see if it happens again because the same situation isn't going to present itself again. But the people who stole at about a 60 or, well, you know, 65, 75, at a low percent rate, their rate went up 
it wouldn't didn't go up like a little bit. Everybody's rate settled around eighty percent success rate. Right. I thought that I thought it would be kind of linear. You know, those that would would gain five or six percentage points, but those those people really jumped up, uh, and that everybody was kind of closer to eighty. So it wasn't the percentage. If you graph the percent rates. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot flatter line with with everybody being in, in the neighborhood of eighty percent. That caught me off guard. Um, the whole you know the whole pull hitting and 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 uh, shifting and how much yeah. would that hurt? How much would that help? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think we all expected what happened. You know, you can look. I think the big picture was pretty close to what people expected. There are going to be players within the big picture. You know, Corey Seager, he happened to have a really good year in a year where he benefited from this from the shift. Right. Right. So I think people are going to be overdrafting Corey Seager. Plus, he gets that he was great in the playoffs bump. Right. Be, you yeah. know, because you know he, he's not going to. Well, I don't. I don't know. But you can't project him to have the same increase over pre-shift because it's just a combination of getting the, the right timing as far as what year and just having one of those years um, sort of thing. So I, you know, the, 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 uh, the power, you just, just never know how the ball's going to play and, and scenario what teams are going to do. So, yeah. and I, the, the whole, the whole pitch clock thing, you, you mentioned you were at the, you were at the first pitch the first time the year previous, Andy Andres, who was at this past one did a yep. lot of work, on the minor leaguers, and he kind of said, it's going to affect people early, but they're going to get used to it, and by the end, it's going to be fine. And that's what kind of happened. Right. So that that didn't surprise me a bunch. Uh, what we don't know yet, and we still don't know, is how much of the pitch clock uh, affected the injuries. The injuries yeah. could have just been one of those years, too, or it could be that the pitcher injuries were a result of the pitch clock. But it wasn't so much by – I mean, I just uh, – I continue to make the adjustments. Uh, you know, I don't know that anything was like, wow, that was unexpected. You know what, what was unexpected? It doesn't matter for projections. It's just kind of, wow. They were like, do you think there would be more or fewer successful pickoffs last year? Yeah, yeah. That's that's – <laughs> it went up a ton. It went Yeah. And people, you know, in retrospect, oh, well, that was because of blah, 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 blah. I No, no one thought it would, you know? Right, yeah. And, and it yeah. did. And maybe it was because of um, picking a guy off and then guy running and being thrown out. Maybe it gets caught in a pickoff. But pickoffs, mm-hmm. went, success, you know, number of pickoffs went up a ton. Again, it doesn't really matter with projections necessarily. But, um, so no, that, yeah, I but that's a good any... point because that's like that's a good yeah that's a good that's a good uh, thinking point right there because it could be oh you know these these runners are getting too comfortable too aggressive thinking that they got it in the Maybe, bag yeah, right yeah. yeah yeah so many well, mental parts to that that's that's so that's such an interesting bring up I like that and as far as you know thinking about we're talking about stolen bases and now you you wanted to ask about this so let's kind of segue in um, all right what's going to happen in the future. I first need to know, is there going to be an automated strike and ball system? Yes. And is it going to be a challenge system? Because if all a catcher is doing 
is trying to prevent pass balls and wild pitches and throwing runners out and not framing, they're going to be much more successful throwing runners out. Yes. If it's the challenge system where the umpire is still making the call, but the batter or the manager can say, no, no, I think you messed that one up. The pit, the, the catcher is still going to be framing, which I hate the fact that it works. It works. Studies say it works. But darn it, the ball's a strike when it goes over the plate, not where it lands in the mitt, right? <laughs> and I'm enough of a scientist to know synapses and reaction time and the way the mind works. I, I kind of understand why it fools the umpire, but dang it, it shouldn't. You know, the umpire should make that decision when the ball's over the plate. But the way the mind yeah, works and reaction times, et cetera. But so the point being, tell it me reminds me so is. much of like the uh, of the NBA flop. You know, or the soccer flop, and that—that's why it bothers me so much because it yeah. reminds me of the like this, like you said, it's it's it, it's fooling the other guy to make a call that's not real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know I've had the discussion, you know, whatever. I'm no longer in bars. It used to be bar discussions now, whatever. But it's like, is that cheating? You know, it's like, is if when you trap mm. a ball in the outfield and you hold it up like you can't caught it, is that cheating? I mean, you. I suppose you could argue that it's cheating, but is it like the same cheating as we think of otherwise? You know, is right. there degrees of cheating? You know. Yeah. No. Is great it... point. I love that. <laughs> I love the way you frame that. No. No. It's. Yeah. I love that. I, I can see why that's a great bar discussion. Yeah. You used to, uh... <laughs> Let's have another yeah, I mean... shot, and we'll keep talking about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm a. I'm a little bit kosher. Well, you're kosher or you're not kosher. There's no way I'm kosher except I eat shrimp. Well, then you're not kosher. You know? Anyway. Oh, that's uh, that's great. So, yeah, I mean, but you're right because, like, I was, you know, uh, that's that's one thing I'm wondering about this year. Like, do, do, do teams get better at running more or do teams get better at stopping the run more? Like, it's going to be a tug of war. Which, which teams can can you know can win that battle and like which teams are going to try i guess harder to win that yeah. battle you know i think i think teams will be more attuned to the success rate and letting runners go that have a good chance of running i think right. that's part of it okay um, yep i think pitchers are getting better at not throwing over but just holding the ball or t- doing different you know, timing things differently, you know, doing so. I think there, there are, there are ways to combat it, the running without a catcher increasing his pop time. And I think pitchers are getting a bit better at shifting things around, moving, you know, you know, staring at the runner and knowing I got a pitch now and, you know, just kind of messing up their timing a little bit that way. Uh, But I don't think, I think, I think we probably will see a a slight increase in steals this year because I think teams, I think it's easier to increase the the attempts that it is to defend it, it's mm-hmm. easier for the manager to say you run more than it is to t- teach a team how to defend it. So I think we're going to go up a little bit. But then let me you know tell me about the uh, what the catchers are going to be doing um, over the next few years. Right. Yeah. No. That that makes sense too. And it's like um and you know and another thing I was looking at too is just how much you know either like a managerial change or the actual lineup construction of a team change 
the way the actual team approaches stolen bases. Like the Texas Rangers, um, two years ago, you know, they they uh they were atop the league in, in, in stolen bases. And last year they had the second least attempt, the second lowest stolen base opportunity attempt rate, you know, well below the league average. You got guys like Adelise Garcia went down from the you know, 31 attempts to uh, 10 and, and Simeon from 33 to, you know, about 17. And, and is that something that, that you, you try to factor in? It's hard to, you know, think like how Bochi is going to come in and say, oh, you know, this is, this is my way. Or it's also team dependent on, you know, we have a lot of good hitters, so we don't have to, you know, risk that running where you look at a team, you know, that has poor contact skills and not great players and they need to try to generate some runs. Right. Is that something right. that we can like factor in or you just, you know, that's just like on the go. You have to just manipulate that as you think. Uh, well, you that, know, I mean, that's, just, that's, it, 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 yes, but there, there's two different answers. It's coming into the season the best, you know, as you know, the best managers manage the personnel, right? They don't force the personnel. I mean, it's right. a, it's a it's a it's crossing sports, but Bill Parcells was a you know ground and pound guy until he drafted Drew Bledsoe, and suddenly he's an air and out guy. You know, you you play to mm -hmm. your personnel. Uh, Bucci, you know, the I think that you you have to you have to make a subjective decision. But I don't want to go over. I don't want to say this minor league manager is now managing in the majors, and in the minors his teams never ran or his teams ran a lot. I don't know that I want to figure that's going to be the tendency because I I think it matters more of, of the personnel. But you said Bochi probably has a reputation. We can look back to see what he said. I think people did that, and what they right. learned, Bochi manages to his team. Yes. There were years that the Padres and the Giants ran. There were years they didn't run. Um, I mean, Simeon's got a little bit older, right? Uh, so you know, so there there and could Garcia be reasons. He had a there. little bit of a knee injury too. Yeah, you know, yeah, he there missed could some be time with the leg, yeah. right? Right? Yeah, right. There, there, there. You know, and, and Garcia is just you know so important that you like you said you don't want him to go out. Um, but I think the more and you kind of alluded to it. And I know you're thinking about it because you asked me on the on our questionnaire. In season is where. You can right. really learn the trends. And all right, we play draft and hold, and we play roto with 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 prop bets being so important now or popular and DFS and, and just daily leagues. Um you can learn a lot. You can check out team tendencies as far as steals. You look you can look at matchups. Um what I learned mm -hmm. in my, my data was all right, you look at the, the runner, you look at the catcher. Um you don't want to have a bad runner against a good catcher, but I I will take a good runner against a good catcher. I'm not going to shy away from a good race runner because the catcher is good at catching base runners. If I'm okay. looking to set my daily lineup or I'm looking for a guy at DFS because, um, you know, he can get a couple steals for me for a cheap price, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's what I, I kind of did. And I learned this from playing in a, uh, ESPN changed their scoring, so I do work for ESPN. So we had a little home league where we play the ESPN daily league rules, which I had never done before. And you know, Mondays and Thursdays, you know, I got holes. I got to put guys in my lineup. So that's why I learned these tricks where I need to pick up a guy. Oh wow, he's uh, he's stealing bases. He's got a, a righty on the mound, and you know, against a battery, doesn't you know? I'm gonna put this guy in for this one day. Um, just learn these. So, so on a daily basis, stolen bases more than anything 
you can get a better grasp. And, uh, you know, if it's a rotisserie league, float those stolen base guys is on a Monday and Thursday and you don't have to pay up, et cetera. The one study I haven't done and I want to do, and I kind of started it. I was wondering if uh, stolen bases against left-handed pitchers were more or less successful than they've been in the past because right. of the new rules. And I think that's an interesting, you know, again, maybe not on a big picture basis, but it could be on a, on a daily basis, oh, I'm not, I'm not putting this guy in because the lefty's on the mound. Well, it may not matter. Right. Yeah. No, that would be interesting too. I always thought about the whole lefty, the lefty thing as well. Um, can and you know, and I, I think you alluded to it, like really being able to use it on on the daily level. Um, but can you? Um, is there any usefulness in the new Statcast leaderboards, like the catcher throwing, the pitcher running stuff? You know, there's a lot of information there. Have you tried to capture any of that in, into the daily or even the yearly projections? Not so much yearly, but yeah. I, I will I will look at it daily because the problem okay. is I don't want to say the problem, um, but one of the issues when you try to when you try to do things like I said when you try to do things for everybody, you want to automate as much as possible. Right. So if you look, all right, what is this team? What is this team done? versus stolen base guys well it, it matters which catcher's behind the plate and yeah. you know if you recall i might recall because i'm a red sox fan baltimore stole like 23 bases well not that many but they ran like wild in the first series yes yeah, and, and the red sox catchers their success rate was just terrible but after that whether they made changes or people didn't run as much they weren't nearly as bad but if all you did was go to fan graphs and look at the team numbers. I'm yeah. going to put this stolen base guy, you know. So I do think it helps to granul- granularize. It helps to uh, distill down. <laughs> I like it. You know, and, and you, then you got teams that, you know, they trade catchers. So I do think it definitely helps on the daily. And, you know, on the, you know, the props as well. I mean, you you, you can find uh, little, little nuances here and there over under half a steal for, well, I, I like that bet. I like that prop today. Uh, but I, I do I do use it more. I don't know that it gives. I don't know that it gives any more information than you already had. It just okay. sounds fancier, maybe. Right. <laughs> but but right. I, you got to pay attention to Statcast because they are on the cutting edge, and they have to start somewhere too. So maybe they you know this is where they're starting, and maybe they they take the next step themselves. Right, and and I think you made a great point there. Maybe. Um, this stuff kind of like that's already been captured, you know, like kind of like the, you know, the the old scout thing that, right. uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, we knew that, but now we could just put a number on it. And it's kind of maybe the same thing with, um, uh, you know, all these new leaderboards. I, Some. Know, cause, yeah, yeah, because I know this new, the, the new pitcher running game leaderboard. I want to understand it, and I, I, I have a I have a decent grasp of it, but some right. like there's a lot of columns here and a lot right. of things yeah, going yeah. on. And I'm just like, okay, uh, maybe I won't look at this. Just give me one at the end that's like one to a hundred, and the higher number's better. You know, <laughs> yeah. to, but sometimes you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So it's just uh, obviously part of the part of the battle, um, and and being. Um, you know, successful or understanding what's out there is knowing what to use and and what not to overload yourself with because yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. it's 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 definitely a big part of it. Um, all right, so um, let's pivot a little bit to uh, you know, some uh, drafting stuff. Some I want to talk a little bit about some drafting strategy right now for drafting holds because I know the right now the prospects are hot. 
you know, all the rage because of, of, of them being aggressively put through the major leagues. And also, too, that a lot of them are having that success that are, are you know, driving fantasy players to say, oh, yeah, I want the next, you know, you yep. know, uh, Bryce Miller. I want, the, you know, the next, the next, uh, you know, big bat. Um, but, and it seems like, you know, I've noticed too, uh, the late round pitchers are, instead of like being darts thrown at around 47 and 48, now they're being thrown in the, in, you know, 35 and 32, because no one wants to be, um, you know, out of that picture. Like, you know, they all want now to be the guy who drafted Andrew Abbott. <laughs> so, you know, how, how, how do you th- could you know i've heard some very you know well in the know prospect guys or or you know jeff ponce talked about it a lot it's just you know there's like there's there's a reason why all these young guys have been pushed through and not only the rules but like the the uh covid non-season or minor leagues it's the, there's stuff that happened behind the scenes that yep. structured why we saw all this but like how you know if you were going to play some draft and hold right now like how how would you handle the younger players the prospects right you kind of you kind of alluded to it because i talked to a lot of people in arizona about it um and prospect people like james anderson um there was and part of what I'm talking about this is because I'm in a stratomatic league that drafts rookies. So I, w- I wanted I wanted to have a bunch of draft picks in this upcoming draft because what's happening is there's still a backlash, a backload of of young minor league players that lost a year or development or were at the alternative. Oh, I thought it was done saying alternative training site. I'm done writing it. I can say it, I guess. But I think we're seeing the tail end of the of the of the of the of the backload of these prospects. And I think we'll continue to see teams advancing their prospects quickly because yep. of the rules, et cetera. But I think the inventory is now going to sort of become normal. I think I think the mm. backload is is has kind of gone away. And I think we're at the point where um you know we're gonna see the very and it, it's always cyclical too. You never know when was a good cycle coincidental with the COVID, you know, you know, it's always cyclical, but the point, I I think that we're going to continue to see advancement early, but I I think we may have been blessed over the year past year or two with a sheer number. So as far as how do I apply that to the drafts, I'm not going to shy away from the upper end prospects, but I don't think I'm not going to say, well, I mean, I'm going to just go prospect nuts because of, I think that once you, once the first, you know, the wave, who cares what the COVID and this, that, we just know these guys are good. I think right. once that wave is done, I'm probably going to shy away from it um, and 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 not go as prospect heavy. Now, I, I need to put this out there. Um, I play draft and hold, but I, you know, I haven't had the success that others that you talk to may have. I, you know, I just, have, I'm not going to lie about it. I've, I've won a league here and there. I've placed a league here and there, but I've not done well in a lot more. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to write a book or pay, pay. This is how to win your DC. This is, you know, this is how I'm going to approach it. It's, I don't have the cachet that other people have that you, that you're going to talk to. I just, you know, be upfront about it. Um, you mentioned pitching and drafting a little bit earlier. This is one change I am going to think I'm going to make. Okay, is, cool. Um, it's not, I, I, you kind of, I, I do agree with drafting. If I want 23 to 25 pitchers, I don't want to be taking pitching 
in the in the forties that much. Yep. Uh, I I cut at least not at least not my starters. I want to have my starters done in the thirties, and I don't know that I have done that in the past. I think I may. Have, I'm so smart. I can I can find the I can find the gems in round forty four. Well, maybe in nineteen or you know two thousand and five I could, but I can't. This not not when not when people like you and having these podcasts and every you know I can't do that anymore. So right. I think I need to take I need to set my pitching a little bit earlier. And when I I, I do play, I love the express. I don't know I don't know you know the I know the draft I know the the draft and hold people really like the two hour the four hour. I one once a year I on a Friday or Sunday night whenever they are. I just love doing all 50 rounds in three or four hours. I, the oh, rush. absolutely. Oh, yeah. I love that. So I yeah. will do one. I will do a couple. I will, I will do some, some long term, some longer, you know, we have an Arizona fall league speaker league draft that we'll do. Uh, Roto junkies has a, a board, uh, a house league that I, I will. So I will do some of the longer, a longer term ones, two and four hour, but I love the express. I love the, the fast one. Plus, I mean, just because I, you know, sometimes it's so fr- I mean, I, even two hour clocks, it's like in order, and I need to know the next, what are these next three picks? Because for my <laughs> strategy to work, I need nothing must to happen. And it's like, ah, and I'm all thinking about is to my, to my next pick. Yeah. All right. And in, in express, I know in three minutes, I may not know for seven hours if I screwed up on my last pick, but anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I love the express. They, they're, yeah. they're a lot of fun. And, yeah. you know, um, the year that I, that I won the overall, the first draft champion that I ever did was an express. Okay. And I, you know, I remember it too, because, um, it seemed like it took forever. And I don't know if it was <laughs> just because my first experience with the, you know, you know, with the express last right. year, I didn't express. And I don't know if it was just because of the players that I was playing with a lot of guys that, you know, do a lot of draft champions or that do a lot of drafts, but it took way quicker than i thought i think i think i think one of them was like actually uh maybe three hours and four minutes i was and 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 what caught me off guard was was how quick the later picks was going because you know you get into the 35 round 40 and 45 range some people are taking the clock all the way down to two or three seconds and these picks were being made so so much quicker than i anticipated i was like holy shit (laughs) these guys are shocking me here and and it was uh but no i i really do love the express just for those reasons because Sometimes, you know, I, 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 I swore I wouldn't do the four hour drafts anymore. I did one this year and I, I, I'm regretting it so much. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's going so slow that I've kind of tuned out to it. You know, like I actually, you know, um, I forgot to make one pick. I autoed one because I mean, I had a cue set, so it wasn't bad, but, um, I, I just forgot about it. It was right. taking so slow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, no, yeah, on no, to exactly. the next thing. <laughs> so it's no, just, for sure. Uh, no, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It definitely happened too much. But um, I definitely hear you with the uh, you know, with the pitcher thing. Um, you know, last year I felt the same way. There was like kind of like a a point where I'm like, okay, this is this is this will be the last starter I want. And that's why I ended up with JT Brubaker on a lot of teams. Because he was like the last starter that who was 
projected for even just innings, you know, like actual innings that I could yeah, use yeah, so yeah, that yeah, I yeah. liked. So I'm like, okay, you know, we'll go there. Even even a guy like Patrick Corbin, right? Like as uh, as as unusable that he was in most of the season, there was some points where it's like, okay, with injuries and, and his matchup away from National Park, I was like, okay, I'll use him. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, any pitcher in the 40s that I'm taking right now are, are mostly just like spec bullpen guys, you know, your Pierce Johnson in case Rysel Iglesias gets hurt or if, right. you know, whoever you think that next closer is going to be. But, um, you know, it, it's definitely not a starter that, um, that I think that will you know, get the same thing. I, I, and I'm still strong about building up top as well because, um, there, there, there's nothing like, you know, counting. There's nothing wrong with like Kyle Gibson, but there's nothing wrong. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things wrong when you're consistently like looking for him to carry your innings pitch load for, <laughs> for weeks no, upon yeah, the season. Sure. So, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, that's why I'm not shy about drafting pitchers early and often in draft champion just because um you know and as much as the hitters now are are, are very platoony um you just have to gobble up as much as you can to piece together that uh uh you know weekend where it's like friday to sunday but this this lefty is facing two lefties so he might only play one game and there's a there's a lot of that now where you just have to actually say okay which is the best <laughs> which is the best of these platoon guys <laughs> that, that I yeah no play. i mean well you, you're some you're sometimes fortunate then you've got two to choose from yeah <laughs> sometimes it's oh gee you know i gotta i gotta put this lefty in here and he's got you know because i got no one else healthy and Darn it! He's got two. You know, he's got two lefties, but that's just the way it is sometimes. And but, that's um, something I that's something I made a note of because there were several teams last year where I was like, man, I have too many lefty platoon bats on one team. So it's just like a like a little side note that I made for my draft. And and sometimes you can't help it because you need some outfield depth or you need some corner depth. I need a third first baseman, and the there is a lot of lefties down there at the bottom, but um, I made a note to just be aware so there's not too many, um, you know, oh, I got Seth Brown and Ryan Noda, and they're both not playing this weekend. Yeah, well, it's like you have to limit limit those things. Yeah. Easier, <laughs> easier said than done, right. but try to, try to get a, a known platoon. Yeah. So if, oh, if, oh if, like a know, known pair, you're saying. A known pair. No, but the mm. problem, though, is the right-handed guy – isn't going to play much for you, right? right? But if he's not really drafted very high, then and I, I'm trying to I'm, right now. It's a little early to come up with a with an example, but you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe there maybe there would be an example where uh, there there is a right handed. You know, you know the platoon's going to exist, and you just you just do it, and then that's his job. Three times a year, he's in my lineup from Friday to Sunday. Right. It could be three more times than somebody else. You never know. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah, that's okay. I'm not a I'm not a big Esther Ruiz fan at his cost, but I I've, I've told people if you're going to draft him, you know, maybe maybe get Lawrence Butler for that same reason. Like they might be in just a a straight up lefty righty in center field, and at least you get you know yeah. both yeah. options for that. Yeah. Um, right. All right. So let's let's um let's end this with talking about the 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 underdog draft. You know, I I got into a lot of them last year. I thought it was a really fun, simple, easy format. Um, I just wanted to see how, because because I know you played it a little bit too. So how how did you like it, and like how did how did the leagues pan out for you last year? I loved it. It's, pro it's yeah. probably too much, um, <laughs> because they're they're addicting. 
And, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I got other work to do. Eh, it's only going to be half an hour. I'll play. Oh, I love it. And, you know, full disclosure, um, I got introduced to it because of the Rotowire podcast and was uh, somewhat volunteered and somewhat uh, volunteered myself to be the people talking to Clay Link every Friday about the about the strategy and, you know, and and, and that, that sort of thing. And I, I just, I mean, as I joke about, and the guy used the joke during the um, seminar at first pitch, it's my two favorite things. It's drafting and doing nothing. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's better than that? All right. Put it, right. Put it, you know, while snacking, you can add a third thing, right? Um, <laughs> no, so, but you mentioned the 30 minute is, is so nice. You know, you could. Oh, isn't it though? <laughs> it's like, great. especially this, especially for me, like the, the playoff drafts where, wow, that I love them, no pitch clock, but there's no more baseball. Uh, wait, I'll do an underdog playoff draft. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. so uh, so I I again I mean I, I how did this I had enough I had teams that made the cuts so okay. it was competitive it was fun I didn't I wasn't I think if you put my ratio up against someone who's done it for a long time they probably had a higher percentage of teams that finished first or second kept going on but for my first year doing it I was satisfied with, I, with the results I did terrible in the playoffs because. Uh, I, I was heavy on Seattle early, and I was going to draft more teams and spread it around, but he just never did. So I was kind of like, my teams are done early. Uh, okay. But it's, I'm, I am I will be jumping in. It's a contest, for those that don't know, it's – you don't play – you just – you don't – you play multiple teams. It's designed for that. Right. But then Correct. it's a single-digit entry. $5 is different for different people, you know. 20 times five is different for different people. Well, it's always a hundred, but a hundred dollars is different. You know, I mean, so I don't want to judge, uh, you, know, you know, well, that's not that much money to different people. It is, but the point being, it's a contest designed for you to draft multiple teams. Um, and it, it, it's the way that's set up and et cetera. And it's very, very short, small lineups. Yep. Um, you're not, you're going to, you're going to, you're gonna have you're gonna know. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to dig very deep to to learn the player pool. Which some people, well, I want to. I mean, that's fine. If you want to dig deep, there's other formats out there. Uh, you're gonna get. You know, you're, if you're talking with a person who doesn't know baseball, they're gonna hear most of your players. They, yeah, it's just the way right. the format is. You know, and I you know I don't mind it that way. But um, I, you know, best ball scoring. You know, yeah, I prefer roto, but. It's fine, you know. It's I, fun. Yeah, it's fine. It's fun. It's, fun. it's yeah. You know, like it's, for, for anyone listening, it's 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 twenty players total. You get three three infielders, three outfielders, three pitchers that that you know get the start, and then you get one flex as, as your cumulative, yeah. You know, point scorers on the week, and it does have a little cut at the end of the season. Um, your your leagues are 12, 12 teams, and it takes the top two from from each league, and it makes the cut, and it's another top two after two weeks after that. So there's some, you know, there's some back end of scheduling, you know, that you can look at. I know people like to target it. The gentleman that you had on the one time, Chris, um, at baseball, um, on Twitter, he he's phenomenal with all the data yep. he puts out, and yeah, and and that's what's like what kind of fascinated me um and got me more into it was like you know the roster construction part of that because like you know um how how teams did when they drafted eight pitchers versus how they did when they drafted seven or five and six and um you know i had a strategy uh to to like 
again, with the pitchers thing, almost like the NFBC, but to kind of be done with them earlier than later. Um, and, you know, I was I was aggressive up at the top, I think, m- more than most drafters were because um, I thought it would be better to have those guys at the end if I did make a cut that 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 were getting the ball twice a week or or you know we're still going to be in competitive games but um did you have a preferred roster construction um between the outfielders the infielders and the pitchers when i first started i had six pitchers and then um seven and seven yep and it's just then after talking to chris he mentioned that that five pitchers is usually better. So I went and, and this, what, I'll mention it. Well, I'll talk about this first, and then something very interesting. What what Brendan Tumato told us at first pitch during yep. his little seminar. Uh, I, so I cut it down to five, and then it was seven seven, and then my eighth was you know flex or what I tried to do is I didn't build, I didn't. I didn't force stacks, but I, I, I stacked low end players. I didn't try to get my high end. I, high end, I just want the best guys. But I thought that if you mm. stack on the low end, maybe that that's when you get lucky a couple of weeks where the team is in Colorado or, or whatever it might be. So I would have a lot of, I would, I would have my, my stacks. And by stacks, we mean players from the same team. Um, if that so the whole team, you know, the whole in DFS, the idea being one event leads to multiple points. Correct. If a guy hits, if a guy doubles, well, you get his double, you get his RBI. And uh, if you have the guy that scored the run, you know, so the same of the same event led to more points. So you're not, you're not, you know, so anyway, um, so I would, I would look for the stacks that way. Um, now, to relaying it to what Brendan Tuma was talking about, and he may have even been showing Chris's data. I'm not sure. But it was one of those things where I think, you know, teams that had seven or eight pitchers made the cut more often than not. Yep. But mm-hmm. teams that had five pitchers went further in the tournament. Yeah. So it's like you want to get, you know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, in this, you, you, ah, yeah, I, I, I won ten dollars Woo! you want to win this that's why you're playing it so i cared i cared more about to win it all you only need to draft five pitchers all right it's harder to get there but if you get there with your five pitchers you get a better shot of winning than someone who has seven or eight pitchers who maybe got there a little easier so it's kind of interesting it's you know would you you want to you want to get there or do you want to win it's one of those you know general rule of thumb whenever i do things i want to get there and let things you know, flesh out how they may. This right. data said otherwise, right? This yeah. data said, do what you can, you know, draft five pitchers, don't mess up, get there, because then once you're there, you get a better shot. So, but again, we're drafting many, many teams. So I'm, I'll probably have some five pitcher teams. I'll probably have some six and some seven. Well, maybe not seven. That's overboard. Um, but I don't think all my teams will have five. I'll probably have six on some. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's something Yeah. that, that I saw too at, at first pitch and, and kind of made me think a little bit more about how many pitches I wanted. I, I was yeah. definitely taking, you know, uh, six and sometimes seven. Um, and, you know, maybe I'll have some teams where, and 
and like you said this is this is designed to have multiple teams that is designed to you know have different builds and right um the stacking thing is 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 something i definitely didn't try enough i think to implement and that's and that's going to be something i have to think about a little bit more um not too much more not too much more but yeah in the data show it wasn't all that valuable right okay yeah maybe i don't know yeah uh but it's definitely interesting so uh um i wanted to ask you too because i know a lot of people may just look at a like an overall raw uh projected points and you know so how do you handle um you know, like, is there any calculation or is there anything that you adjust to say, uh, yeah, Spencer Strider may have uh, the, you know, the 14th most projected points, but is that different because he's the top pitcher and there may be a big difference from him in the next or the next uh, or the him in the, the fifth best pitcher? So you need to do an over-replacement adjustment. But the problem is, and you, you alluded to two-start pitching and platooning. What is, is if there's 108 pitchers, is replacement the 108th points projected? Well, maybe that's the easy math way, but it's not. That's not how it. Ha- that's not what happens. Right. Because yeah. you you know you so you, you get two-start pitchers. That that's not that's not the end of season. What the replacement ended up being. So I think you have to make the adjustment. But you have to realize that it's not absolute. Right. That it's. I mean, I'd rather do the. Especially if you. One of the issues with points leagues in general, is there's no two systems that have the same scoring. ESPN and Yahoo, CBS and Fantrax and the Cutline and uh, Underdog. They all, you know, uh, they all have different systems, and right. different. The you know raw rankings within them are different. Fan tracks the the pitching when you do the adjustment the pitching comes out higher, right? But if all you do is draft pitchers, because that's what your rankings say, well you're gonna have nine pitchers, and then you're gonna have to start drafting hitters, and you're gonna notice that you're drafting crap hitters, but there's some still pretty good pitching out there that everybody else is drafting because they weren't drafting it. Right. So right. You, you you do the adjustment, but you can't you have to then. You know, maybe the replacement is higher and, and, and artificially mess it up a little bit, artificially change it. I don't know. But um, you make the adjustment over replacement, but you realize that you don't really know what the replacement was. And then it's a matter of reading the room. The first thing I do in a fan tracks draft is, are they drafting pitching? Because if they are, they're fan tracks players and they know what's important. Right. Are they not, are they not drafting? You know, and, they, and I have to draft pitching. Are they not drafting pitching? Well, I may want a pitcher or two early because that's what they're worth. But then I'm not I'm not going to keep drafting pitching because neither are they. I'm going to make sure I get some good hitting and then, you know, still get good pitching later. So it's kind of a matter of knowing the room. The better systems are kind of, you know, it, it just it, it evens itself out. Um, yeah. And I think most of them do. Now, the NFBC... I was, I was in on the design, so I know a little bit about it. We were tasked with coming up with a point system so that when you rank them, they emulate the 5x5 five five ADP. Correct. Um, which we did. We got it as close as we could. But now you still have draft strategy and the platooning. And, and we talked two-star pitching. I think people, 
if you rely too much on if two start pitchers are your strategy, you need another strategy. Mm. Just because 32 starts, 26 weeks, that's six two start pitching. That's two, that's six weeks. In a couple of those weeks, he's probably not going to get the two starts because of a rainout, and he's going to get two starts in a week that he didn't think he's going to. So you're, you're driving driving a strategy around a guy who's going to get four two start weeks. I don't know. I want to do that, you know. <laughs> right? No, no. That 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 that's definitely fair to to think about because it's it's not a lot. That's 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 not a lot of weeks. And yeah, um, and it, maybe one of those is in Colorado. Maybe one of those is against. Uh, at this point, we don't know, you know, who the great offenses are, but against a really good hitting against the Braves, I think we know the Braves are going to be good, you know. So, <laughs> I think you know, so. You, pretty sure. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right, Todd, it's been a fantastic pod. Um, definitely giving me a lot of your time, and I really appreciate that. And I also just appreciate everything you do for the industry and for everyone out there. You know, you've been going at this for a long time, and you're you're very kind and you know with your efforts and with your time. So I really appreciate that. And I think everyone else is out there too. They really appreciate your Thanks. work. Thanks. No, it's it's a it's a great great group of people, ladies and gentlemen, to be working with and for. So it's a labor of love. And I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, anyone wants to find Todd on Twitter or X, it's uh, at Todd Zola, right? And uh, make sure to check out his masterball.com. Go over there, support Todd, um, get his projections. If you're in draft right now, it's, it's very useful, um, you know, to use. And um, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing um, the, what you mentioned, too, with the Fantasy Index write-up stuff. So it's really going to be an extra uh, bonus of the site and um i wish you well yep. for the whole season as well and uh we'll catch each other in some warmer times next uh <laughs> next go around in arizona appreciate that yeah well maybe hey maybe make it to florida we're doing first maybe the yeah. florida too that's right that's yeah, right I, yeah I, I forgot about that okay all right all right todd appreciate your time man thank you so much and for everyone listening thank you for listening to another episode of the pull hitter podcast and remember don't be a bag of shit <laughs>